All right, man. Let's continue this discussion on regret. <laughs> so, yeah, man, we're going to skip right over number two because number two is I wish I didn't work so hard. And maybe we can talk about that towards the end. But I, honestly, I don't think that warrants an entire episode. That one's pretty much a no brainer. But regret number three from the top five regrets of the dying, we're talking about this book, is I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Now, that's a big one, especially for men. And you, but you and I are both similar ages, so we grew up in the same time period. And especially when we were growing up, men had a really hard time expressing their feelings, and they definitely still do. And I come from a family where, forget about men, nobody expresses their feeling. Not my father, not my mother, not my, not my brother. I don't think my parents have ever told me they love me, ever. Now, I don't, now it's not like I don't know that they do, but they've never said it. And, and right. I noticed that with my mother one of my regrets with my mother is we never had a really good, candid discussion, like a very emotional discussion. I tried, but I could see her just shut off. In right. fact, I, I, as most people know who are fans of us or who have read my book, I went through some childhood abuse. And I can tell my mother did, too. And I always tried to talk to her about it, but I could see her change the subject real fast. Hmm. Well, I don't know exactly what happened. I don't, I don't even know for sure if anything did happen, but... Those of us who have been through some shit, we can see the signs. At least right. I, can, right? I can see all the signs with her. I can see why she deflects. I noticed that she never liked getting a massage. She always found that uncomfortable. There were just a lot of giveaways that – red flags, rather. Right. And I tried to have that discussion with her. We never had it. And that, that's definitely a regret. But it's not that I didn't try. But we know it was it was it was I come from a family where people have a really difficult time expressing feelings. A lot of times people think I don't need to say it. They already know. And that's a big problem. That's going to be a regret for you if you don't tell people that are important to you that they're important. Yeah. Take the time to say, I care. You're important. Believe me, that's going to be a regret. That's going to be a huge regret because you want to hear it. I want to hear it. Everybody wants to hear it. And it's important that we say it. And when you don't. Well, you, I mean, it comes down to the point people at the end of the day, most people, everybody wants to be loved. Okay. You know what? Uh, maybe, maybe, <laughs> you know, but I can tell you one thing that people really want is to be seen. And when you, when you share that someone's important to you or to even someone else, that's basically you acknowledging this person's existence and acknowledging that they're being seen. And I think that's, I feel like that's more important than being loved, you know? And one of the things we we're talking about this, you know, <clears throat> especially with men, a lot of men would much rather have someone respect them before they love them. Okay. And, but, and so a lot of times they feel when they think like that, I feel that by sitting, they suppress love so they can get that respect first. They feel like they're mutually exclusive. And so therefore they kind of suppress the whole love thing because they feel like to be respected, they got to be hard, you know, to be loved means it got to be soft. So therefore they're not going to be vulnerable because that's going to show that they're weak and they're soft. So they're not dealing with that love BS quote unquote air quotes folks, you know, because they don't want to appear soft, but to be respected, you know, that's what it feels like to be a man, you know? And, you know, we joke about this one account that we get on IG. I share with Mike or whatever. I think it's funny because I'm in touch with myself. So therefore I can look at it. I can see the, the, the I can see the funniness, you know, in this account. But it's basically almost all the stereotypical things of what it means to be a man. And basically, he'll he'll bring up this dude to bring up some quick little blurb or whatever, and he's like, "Yeah, never blah 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 blah. Be a man." And then you hear these guys in the background always cracking up or whatever. So, 
I mean, you know, it's almost poking fun, but at the same time, I feel like they're being serious too. You know, what it means to be a man, all these different things. So that kind of also lends to the stereotype and also lends to those who are bought into this whole what it means to be a man thing, which a lot of times the things that are quote unquote, the things that, you know, require to be a man these days, especially are not really being a man. And so you got to ask yourself, especially men, you know, and I'm talking about, you know, I'm really, you know, this is probably going to piss some people off, but hey, so be it. I'm talking about men who are actually born and, you know, and accept the fact that they were born male. You know, they have, you know, they've got the chromosomes to back it up, you know, not just the generals or whatever. You know, there's this, you know, how you identify that as be a man. It's like, you got to really ask, like, what does it mean to you to be a man? Right. At the end of the day, because what ends up happening, you got society trying to tell, send out this blanketed statement to all men who identify as men. This is what it means to be a man. Well, you don't know my life. You don't know my experience. You don't even know my culture or whatever else to even make that, you know, that assumption that you can speak for me like that, because we're all coming from different and various backgrounds or whatever. So you just can't do this. So this is very, that phrase alone that, you know, that being a man and having, you know, and sharing your feelings, whatever that is very personal. So that being very personal, it's the, one of the best things you can do is not take on other, another person's vulnerabilities, their own personal stuff, their own shit, because it'll give it'll give you a warped sense of what it means to be a man. It'll give you a warped sense, what it means to how you should express your feelings. And that, that becomes a big issue. And that's what ends up happening. That's one of the biggest issues by, you know, being so overexposed to like, social media and the media in general, whether it be whatever form of entertainment you watch, news, you know, movies, TV, whatever, because there are people constantly trying to shape how you, how you think about yourself and what you consider, you know, what's best for yourself and how you should feel and how you should view yourself. They're telling you this very personal thing that has nothing to do with them because at the end of the day, whatever the result is that they get from that benefits them, not you. So that's why you've got to stop letting people into your space, you know, or like I always say, you got to quit letting people, you know, live inside your head rent free. And at the end of the day, I've said on previous episodes to get in my head, you can't afford the rent. I don't care how much money you have. You can't afford to live inside my head. So by having that attitude right off the bat, I feel like can help folks really get in tune with how they truly feel about things and how they express that. And look, man, at the end of the day, it's more, it's more room out than in. Okay. So holding all this shit in is not benefiting you at all. In fact, it is a detriment to your health. It's going to show, it's going to show, it's going to come out one way or the other. So you might as well just express it, you know, in the best way possible right off the bat when you feel it instead of suppressing it. Because if you don't, if you don't let it out, it's going to affect your health, whether it be physically, mentally, emotionally, it's going to affect you some way, somehow for a lot longer than it would if you just felt it at that moment and you expressed yourself at that moment. You know, you, you feel that shit. You, I mean, a lot, a lot of people, especially men think that being vulnerable is being weak. Yeah. What they, they want to feel like they have something on other people too. So when someone is vulnerable and they put it all out there, they're going, man, I'm glad I don't have those problems. But at the same time, they're sitting there going, I hope no one finds out about what I'm dealing with. I mean, right. Dave Hoggins talked about this, where he said, 
He goes, go ahead and come at me. I've put all my dirty laundry out there. It's all out there. It's in my book. It's in every podcast I've ever been on. And he goes, the people that judge me at the same time, they're just praying that what they've done, that they're ashamed of, never comes out. Right. Because as long as it doesn't, they can feel like they're better than me. The public perception is, oh, I'm not as bad as that guy. That's why it's never to be good. It's, it's, you, no one should ever be a judgmental asshole because we've all done fucked up shit. So when you see yep. someone that's done fucked up shit, it's okay. I mean, I'm not saying that we shouldn't call people out on doing stuff like acts of cruelty and all that. But at the same time, don't judge other people so hard as if you come from this this moral place where you've never done anything that you're ashamed of. Or I mean, or thinking, thinking that you would out. you would never cross that line because you really don't know. No, you don't know until you're <laughs> in the situation. You don't know if you have the same exact experiences as that person in upbringing that you would do things any differently. You don't. You just don't know that. Exactly. Or if you were pushed into a, a corner where you had to make a choice to either do that thing, that fucked up thing they did in order to survive or save someone, would you cross that line? You know, you, like I said, you don't know until that time really happens. And according to the situation, the environment in which it's happening, we don't know. So it's one of those situations with never say never. <laughs> so that's why, you know, hey, glass houses, you know, keep those rocks in your pockets, man, <laughs> at the end of the day. So because, again, we don't know. A lot of times we don't know the full story. And again, this is not excusing like cruelty or extreme acts of cruelty. But when I see these things, it, I'm, there's two parts of my brain that's working. It's like, okay, when, let's just take for instance, like, you know, when we talk about Project Child Save and we talk about these assholes, yeah, I'm calling them what they are. When they sit here and they exploit and take the innocence of children, you know, I want, in my mind, I want justice to be served so they don't make them, they don't, uh, they don't hurt another victim. They don't create another victim. But at the same time, there's also that curious part of me is wondering, what is their fucking story? You know, like, how did they get here? What makes them feel like this was okay? Or what pushed them to that point? But, you know, I want the first part to happen first, though. You know, handle them. Handle them and make sure that this child is safe and that their future, their children in the future don't have to worry about this asshole, you know, exploiting them or hurting them or killing them. But at the same time, I'm always, it's always going to be curious, like what led, even when I watch serial killer documents or whatever else, and you know, they kind of give the backstory. I, even then, when they have the background of this person, I'm still want to dig a little, I'm still wondering what else has not been told or found out about this person. All these little things that have like compounded themselves to create this, this, this end result of a person, you know, because when, the reason why I have that, that, intellectual part of me that's fired up and asking those questions because it helps me to gather information and put things onto a file folder mentally to, it gives me more things to look out for that. I may be able to see someone else do, you know, so it's just, that's all it is. It's gathering evidence, you know, it's building a case. So therefore, you know, you, you start to pay attention about certain things now, because now you've got this thing in this file folder because you've seen someone else who also experienced this that maybe, done these atrocities or maybe they something a little less tragic like maybe they you know they they cheated on someone or whatever else or you know this politician that does this or does that you know you start seeing the signs so therefore you can kind of it's kind of like um with this one doctor that i was watching on this other podcast you know you know you start looking for these little biomarkers before the act is even committed you know and i think that 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 just putting people in a more put you in a better advantage 
to make a better decision on how you're going to deal with the situation. If you want to be around that situation, if you want to be there to help someone in that situation, or you want to warn somebody like, Hey, I don't know, man, you know, I kind of noticed this, that, and the other, I'm not, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying, if it were me, I I would be very cognizant of this, that, and the other, you know? So like I say, it kind of gives you an intellectual advantage because you got a lot more things that's tucked inside that mental file folder, you know, things that people of certain behaviors of certain people that kind of led to that extreme ending. And you kind of want to like, ah, let's, okay. I don't like the way that thing ended. So here's one way I can avoid that. Or here's one way that can help you avoid that. If that is the case, that's all it is. So, right. you know, but yeah, man. So kind of went off on a tangent there a little bit, but yeah, man, one thing about that, like I said, just this whole thing about not expressing your feelings, it, Honestly, and thinking that by holding that thing in makes you a man, actually makes you less of a man, in my opinion, because it's a sign of insecurity. And one of the reasons, one of the things that's attached to being a man is this whole idea of security. You know, so, you know, someone saying he's a made man, he's a man's man. You know, this dude, like, you know, he's the man because there's some type of, sometimes, often there's some type of confidence attached to that. Well, my thing is being like <laughs> being adverse to vulnerability and, and acknowledging the holes in your game that need to be worked on. You know, that right there is not being secure and being a man. So a man recognizes he knows his weaknesses and he adjusts accordingly. You know, in fact, that's not just a man. That's a human period. That's human because that's the whole point of having being the quote unquote highest form of intelligence that's walking the earth where you got to be intelligent and use that. So if I see some things that I could do better, then for me to acknowledge that I could do better and still don't do better, that doesn't make me strong. That doesn't make me. No, not, not, not at all. And in, in the context of your most intimate relationships, if you can't even express your feelings there, what kind of relationship is that? It's not going to be one that is fulfilling. In well, I'll do way. you one better. If you can't even acknowledge, you can't even have that kind of relationship with yourself. How are you going to have that relationship with another human being? Right. So you, if you can't even be intimate with yourself and check yourself or, you know, keep yourself on the right path, you know, and, you know, if, if being, taking care of yourself and being secure in yourself is not important to you. How's another relationship going to be important to you then? You know, so you're not even invested in yourself. It's kind of like shark tank. You know, it's like shark tank. When they always ask these, these entrepreneurs that come on there and ask for money, they always ask them like, you know, we talked about this before. How much money have you put into the business? Right. You know, before you start coming to me, they want to know if you, do you still have a job? I mean, or is this full time? Like, Oh yeah, I'm a pharmacist. Or, (laughs) <laughs> they want to see if you believe in the product enough that you you spent your money, you put your money into it first before right. you try to get their money. Same thing with relationship. What is your relationship with yourself? Maybe that's the thing people need to start asking now before they even start dating someone. You know, what's your relationship like with yourself before you start trying to come and date me and court me? How have you taken care of your own relationship within yourself? You know, I, I feel like if someone's like, what, what the hell are you talking about? Sometimes that could be all the answers that you need. <laughs> you know, it's just like, why is that such a foreign concept to you? So it's like, do you love yourself? Well, yeah. Okay. In what ways? Like, what do you do? How do you take care of yourself? Because here's the thing. If they don't know how to take care of themselves, well, guess what they're going to expect from you? Well, that, that's <laughs> a big mistake a lot of people make in relationships is they go, she completes me or he completes nope. me. <laughs> Celestine Prophecy has a really good section it's, it's fiction, but it has a lot of spiritual teachings through within the context of the story. 
And it talks about how there's an energy exchange between people, especially between people that are physically attracted to each other. So sometimes you have a situation where a man and a woman are really physically attracted to each other. And there's an energy, sometimes there's an energy exchange where she's taking all of his energy and he feels depleted or he's taking all of her energy and now she feels depleted. Yeah. What you're having is an unbalanced exchange. Now right. that's because but you, you don't have two complete people in this situation. You have one person who is trying to suck the other person's energy to make him or herself feel better. Now, when you have two complete people though, now you don't have that kind of energy exchange. Now you have something that accumulates. Now you're both right. energizing each other. How many relationships can people say that's what theirs is, where they're both energizing each other, where they're actually, it's an aggregate rather than a subtraction. Mm-hmm. Most relationships is basically, take, take, take. she wants this from him, you want this from her. And it, it's this battle that goes on constantly. And you're trying to one up each other. It's like, well, I did this for you. So why don't you do this for yeah, me? They're keeping or, count. Or it becomes this battle of, well, you did all these things. Yeah, but you did all these things. And then you get nowhere. You get nowhere in that. Right. You know, to quote George Michael and everything she wants, you show me that you can take, now you've got some giving to do. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what ends up happening. A lot of these relationships is like, you know, it's just like take, it's just constantly withdraw, withdraw, withdraw until that bank account becomes empty. But a lot of this is from people not expressing their feelings, honestly. Yeah, That's but when you got some, you you have a relationship where there's this one person that's very expressive, and the other person they just they're just quiet. They hold it all in, <laughs> and so this person feels like you know they're beating their head up against a wall. They, well, they're that's constantly also an energy exchange where someone's always aloof, and you got to keep pulling back the layers. You know, sometimes when you're having a conversation with someone and they're giving you nothing, you talk right. for five minutes and then they just have one word and then you keep talking. Or it's someone new and you're trying to be polite. So you're asking questions and they're giving you nothing. Now, I don't put up with that kind of shit anymore. But when I was in my 20s and 30s, I did. Now, when someone's like this, like, look, if you don't want to talk, motherfucker, that's fine with me. I can sit here in <laughs> silence. too. I'm not uncomfortable in silence. Right. So don't, act like, don't act like it's such an imposition to have a conversation with me. Like I'm some boring dude. I'm not a boring guy. I'm more interesting than anyone you've ever met in your life. So fucking have a conversation with me or shut the fuck up or we can both shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, they're already shutting the fuck up. Just like get the fuck on is more like because yeah, <laughs> they're not the talking. <laughs> but don't give me this one word bullshit. Like, fine. Cool. Yeah. It's like, you know, hey, you know, I'm fine. I mean, is everything good? Yeah. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. You have to no. pull teeth. You have to constantly engage this person to keep the conversation moving. Exactly. I mean, I'm not afraid. Like, really like I'm, I'm in a... If I'm at a point where I don't feel like talking, guess what? Someone like, well, you know, hey, what's wrong? Mm, I just don't feel like talking right now. Okay. And I'm in a relationship where that can be acknowledged. Like, okay, I'm going to leave you alone. You know, let you have your moment. Because they, you know, she knows that when I'm ready to talk, I'll talk. So obviously it must be something pretty much where, okay, mm, this must be pretty serious. He's not ready to talk right now. So I'm going to leave him be. You know, so it's not really that hard to say, mm, I don't want to talk about it right now. And just know that when you throw that right now in there, you're kind of making a contract or you don't talk about it later. Okay. Otherwise just say, I don't want to talk about it, <laughs> but just know that. Okay. If you're not talking about it, hopefully you're dealing with it yourself and not just holding that shit in. Hopefully you're doing something active. You, you, you're being, you know, in the moment with that, you're dealing with whatever that situation is because there might be some things like, you know what? at this moment, I don't want to get you involved in this or whatever, or this is some shit that, you know, eh, you, you don't even worry about it. In fact, I don't need to be worried about it. 
So they, they may be in that moment where they're like, they're probably trying to process like, why am I getting worked up over this shit? And they're trying to figure it out. And then it's like, you know what? This is not even worth the time. You know, it's just like, oh, this, this person sent me this BS email, blah, blah, blah. You know, sometimes you just need to say that. But let's just say if they really got you pissed off, then you got to work with the fact that why that email pissed you off so much? It wasn't even about the email. What else is going on? And then address that, you know. Right. But again, that's, we got to do some introspective shadow work right there. And a lot of people just don't want to deal with that. Or they just don't even realize, like, you do realize you got set off by an email. I mean, nothing can be more anonymous than some email that's just from this faceless being. This person's not even here, and you, right. but you let it affect you. This is not even paper. It's not even like a real letter. You know, it's just something that's sitting in front of your computer screen. You can scroll away, hit delete or whatever else and it's gone, but it's pissing you off and got you throwing shit or cursing and all this other stuff. So you got to ask yourself, dude, is it really about the email? And you got to ask yourself, what's going on with me? And figure that out if you can. If you can't do it by yourself, find a professional to help you with it and dig deep, get it going. Because guess what? Next time it won't just be an email. It might be your partner just, you know, they may just say one thing as you're a child or something like that and you lose your shit and you just go off. And they're, the child and your spouse are looking at you like, what the hell? You know, because you're not dealing with your stuff, man. You're, you're not taking on your feelings, you know, so yeah, I mean, uh, it's, I, I often, you know, because of my because of what I went through as a kid, and I, I was in a situation where I felt helpless. And then for many years after that, I didn't feel I was even worth defending. So I, I had such low self worth. And then I came into myself. And now now I now I not only am I willing to defend people around me, I'm willing to defend myself. Obviously, I'm willing to protect myself. So we get it's but sometimes I get to the point where I go from zero to the nuclear response real fast. It's an over it's an overreaction where I right. feel like someone's coming at me where they're trying to oppress me in any way, even in a minor way. I just I just go right to that nuclear response. Yeah. It's almost like I'm trying to make I'm trying to prove to myself, hey, I'm not that vulnerable kid anymore that you can yeah. do whatever you want to. I'm going to fucking, you know, it's almost like you're looking for conflict, man. It's like I hope someone comes at me. I'm going to fucking prove that I'm not that kid anymore. And you just have to realize this is why you react in certain situations. And then you can dial that back. You can dial right. it in and you can be, you can be more commensurate with the situation rather than going to that nuclear response when it's something minor. And sometimes that nuclear response is warranted. So I'm not saying that you should never use it. Sometimes it's, it's the right response. Most of the time it isn't, but sometimes it is. Sometimes you get really defensive in the context of your relationship because maybe your significant other is coming at you in a way that's that you feel is disrespectful and it reminds you of some trauma that you have that you that's unresolved. So you respond back accordingly. It's really important to have introspection where you know, why do I do what I do? Why do I think the way I do? And why do I do what I do? How many people think about that? Yep. Yep. So, and then like I, we were talking about earlier, you know, before you even get into a relationship, you know, again, what is your relationship with yourself? Right. You know, big time. Like, how do you deal with internal conflict? Do you run from it? Because if you're going to run from internal conflict, you're going to run from any conflict in a relationship with someone else. The first sign of it, you're going to feel like, or at the same time, or are you clingy as hell because of some past trauma? You know, do you have these abandonment issues where even if one disagreement, you go to that nuclear response, like, oh my God, they're going to leave me. No, motherfucker. I'm just saying, stop (laughs) putting, stop drinking the milk, you know, out of the fridge and putting it back in there. That's gross. 
Okay. And I don't like milk. I told you, I like almond milk. <laughs> you know, straight up. Like, oh my God, you're going to break up over, with me over milk. I'm like, oh my God, what is wrong with you? <laughs> it's like, come on. That, there's something deeper right there where every sign of anything negative, which is not even negative, it's just a conflict. You, you feel like it's going to be the full nuclear response. Like it's all or nothing. <clears throat> like, no, it's or. It's not the all, it's not the nothing, it's the or part. It's the middle part right there. It's the little right. gray matter in between. That's where the work is, bro. You know, so just really, let's just work on that and work on the communications. But first of all, you got to know how to communicate with yourself. What are you dealing with? It's like, so don't, you know, work on that baggage before you start trying to take a trip. Well, I mean, David Goggin says the most important conversations you're ever going to have are with yourself. Oh, yes. That Agreed. pretty much summarizes what you said. It's, it's just true. I mean, we have conversations with ourselves constantly, all day long. It never stops. And what we don't realize is like sometimes we don't realize we're even talking to ourselves. You know, but there's always a community. One thing about it, the one person you're going to have the most communication with will be you. Here's the thing about the brain. You know what sucks about the brain? It never stops working. Right. You know, it's like a blessing and a curse. The fact that even when you sleep, your brain is working, telling you shit. Subconsciously, sometimes you won't remember what it is, but it's constantly giving you messages throughout the entire day if you're deep breathing deep it's sending you messages it is talking to your ass yeah you're, you're having these deep dreams those are conversations with yourself exactly that's why sometimes you wake up out of you like man what the hell was that oh about? man those like you wake up like what the fuck was that <laughs> <laughs> but then what's funny is you say that but then you can't remember what the hell it was you're like Okay, right. what was that? No, really, what was that? I don't remember what. Oh man, I yeah, can't even. You don't, you don't write it down immediately. It's gone. It's gone. Oh, man, it's, it's gone. It's about thirty seconds to get it on paper, and otherwise, it's gone. And the worst thing is when you when it's like puts you in a mood that sets you in a mood for the rest of that day. You're off like for the first couple of hours that you woke. You know, once you're waking up, you know, you just like your day is just off, and you just like I can't really get going, and it all because of this fucking dream that you can't even remember. Sometimes he's like, damn. I actually had a really good dream recently, maybe a couple of weeks ago, where I actually talked to my mother. Now, it felt like I was literally talking to her. She looked different. She looked at peace. She looked, it was a younger version of herself. And we had a really good conversation. To me, it really feels like I talked to her. Now, it could be just be my unconscious mind talking to myself. You know, who knows? But Or it could be parts but, of you but, that, you know, talking about regrets again, it could be that parts of you that really you know, wanted to reach out and communicate with right. her while she I was here. I wanted some kind of closure and I felt like I got it through that dream. That's how impactful it was. But the dream was really funny too, because we're having this meal and then all of a sudden the waiter comes over and the waiter is President George Bush Jr. <laughs> hey, <laughs> my guy, hey, going, hey, so how are you enjoying your food? <laughs> and I, I'm like, hey, Mr. President, what are the vegan specials today? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, Mike, <laughs> you know, I don't know about the vegan, but, <laughs> but my, but my mom looked like she was really at peace. And some of the things I wanted to talk to her about, we actually talked about in that dream. And I, I actually woke up feeling really good from that dream. So I felt really good all day that day. So basically there, there's something that happened between 2000 and 2007 <laughs> that you two need to talk about, you know, oh, since yeah. George Bush was there. <laughs> like you know what? When, when George Bush was president, the way people talked about Trump, that's the way people talked about Bush at that time. Yep. No one remembers that because who wasn't, who didn't live through it as an adult. But I remember my mother and relatives, they'd all get together and they would have, because they're all super left. They would have these bitch fests about Bush and how bad a president he is. And I, I think some of that 
was probably why he was in the dream. <laughs> it would but, just but be I, happy. I, hey, just I, be happy. Hey, sh- be happy that Dick Cheney didn't show up because no one got shot in the dream. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm happy. Well, I'm not happy that my mom wasn't alive during the Trump administration. Obviously, I, I wish she were still alive, but she would have lost her shit while Trump was president. I mean, I, she would have been talking about that to relatives or me or anyone every day. It would have been dissecting every single thing Trump said, and she would not have been a happy camper as him as president. What's funny though is my mom had a real blind spot for the candidates that she did like, as most people do. Yeah, of course. With, with, with Clinton, she was a big fan of Clinton. So even when he was going through that scandal with Lewinsky and all these other women coming about, my mom reframed it this way. She's like, poor Clinton, all these women coming after him. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, well, it's not quite, it's not quite as one-sided as that, Bob, but that's the way she, <laughs> that she saw it. Now, if, if Trump were in the same situation, she wouldn't have been as forgiving or as understanding. She would be like, see, this guy Trump going see, around. Grab, grab him by the, you know what. <laughs> Trump was going around trying to grab the pussy. You know? <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> oh, boy. So, yeah, man. yeah, but I mean, I also think within this, this topic of not being able to express your feelings, it's when in the context of a husband and wife, that's a much different situation than let's say two male friends that are straight. Okay. Now a husband and wife, a lot of husbands and wives can express themselves to each other. Maybe not as well as they would like, but there's usually some expression going on there. I can't speak for every relationship, but that's usually the relationship where you're going to be more vulnerable and you're going to talk about things you wouldn't talk about with your male friends, right? That's common. But how many male friends have intimacy? And I'm not talking about sexuality, okay? I'm not talking about you and your, your, your guy friends are, are, are fondling each other, all right? I'm talking about can you, have, can you be vulnerable with your male right. friends where you talk about real shit and you may right. shed some tears and that guy's there for you and he may tell you some dark shit and you're there for him. Most guys don't have that because they're so worried about coming off as gay which is an insult to gay people because what does that even mean you know yeah, you're, you're trying to insinuate that gay people are weak and the, you know right. like, gay what, people what come mean? in all shapes and sizes there's all kinds of different gay guys they're not all just one type the stereotypical that we like to see in the media or at least we used to see it's different now and, and then and then you're worried that your friends are going to make fun of you if they make fun of you they're not really your friends but what's funny is the reason why a lot of guys like to go out drinking is that drinking turns off the inhibitions. And then that allows right. you to have some real conversation. And if, if you start crying like a baby and getting into stuff, you can always say, oh, man, you know, I had oh. two right. drinks last night. You can have a little back door to run out of. I've seen guys that, I mean, fucking cry the whole night after having a few drinks. You know, guys, guys that never show any emotion. Right. Because it's been suppressed. It's, like I said... Alcohol is truth syrup. <laughs> That's all it is. Like, don't act, don't blame it on the drink. You've had that. You were feeling that already, buddy. And the alcohol is it's like, like, hey, guys that uh, they have once you made it, like, oh man, you know, I better not drink. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go hook up with some fat chicks. It's like, look, man, you want to hook up with fat look, chicks, man? You like them? You like? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with it's that. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I like fit girls, bro. Come on, there's no shame like in the game. <laughs> yeah, don't act like it's the drinking that made you that way. Like you would, you just didn't have the courage to do it without it because you thought your friends might make fun. Because you're probably hanging around a bunch of assholes and they're all superficial. Like, 
oh man, she's got to be a size two and da 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 da. If that's what they like, so be it. But if all of you are lying to each other and you all like women of different sizes, but you all thinking like, well, I want my friends to laugh at me, and, and you're all thinking the same thing, you're just a, this is what's called a circle jerk. Okay, yeah, sometimes <laughs> you just like the woman. Sometimes you know, like, look, people ask me, what's your type, Mike? Right, and I go, I don't really have a type in terms. Is she of- breathing? Is she consenting? <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's let's start right there. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I like a consenting, breathing human being. I'm looking for anything one step above the sex doll I have at the house. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I look, I don't really have a type in terms of like, oh, yeah, I want a blonde haired girl with blue eyes and long legs. And she's got this. I'm not saying I don't like that stuff. I certainly do. I like a beautiful woman the same way any straight guy likes a beautiful woman. But I also like the person. You know, sometimes I've been with women where. They weren't what I would consider at the top of my list in terms of physical attraction, but they, they, I mean, not that they were unattractive. It just wasn't something where if I saw her and didn't know her, I'd go start a conversation. But as I got to know her, I really liked what I saw and heard and, yeah. and it, it built from there. Now it doesn't always have to be one or the other. Not I'm with a woman now that I think is really super attractive. It's not like I'm sitting there going, you know, she's got a great personality. She grew on me. No. First time I met Carol, I was like, this girl's super hot. And then my roommate, I met Carol at this place called um, Cardio Care in Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. my roommate at the time, this guy, BT, he was going there for alternative medicine for a heart condition. But it, apparently this alternative treatment was also really good for improving endurance and cardiovascular health. So I wanted to try it out just for curiosity. So when I called and made the appointment, Carol picked up the phone. She was the receptionist there. And Carol and I happened to have the same birthday. We're both October 6th, different year, but same birthday. So she made a remark about that when she asked me about my stats. And then my friend BT is like, hey, who'd you talk to when you called over there? I was like, uh, I think her name was Carol. He's like, oh, yeah, she's fine. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I was like, I look forward to this. And when I went in there, I was like, yeah, he's right. She is fine. And then, and then what's funny is she thought she thought I was fine. So she talked to him. When she saw my roommate next, she's like, hey, what's the situation with your roommate, Mike? Is he single? And she's like, uh, he's like, yeah, she, he is. And she got all excited about that. She got all giddy. So that he told me that he was, so he had this big smile on his face later in the afternoon. He's like, Hey man, your girl, Carol was asking about you. And then I, you know, as guys, we like to fuck with each other, right? Like, right. Hey man, that girl's interested in you. Go talk to her. We're just setting them up. You know? Right. So he had this big smile on his face. I was like, yeah, 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 sure, man. You just want me to go in there and make a fool out of myself. He's like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, he's like, I'm serious. I'm like, all right, you know what? Even if she is it, I think she's pretty hot too. So I'm going to go ask anyway. And it turned out, and long story short, she was interested, and that's what that's how we began dating. But as, as she, but the attraction grew on me a lot more as I got to know her. And she's right. a totally different person now than she was then. She wasn't a bad person then, but she was a much different person. She'd lived in LA for 10 years, and that's gonna have an effect on you, good and bad. But as as, as I got to know her more and saw her evolve, and you, you have to remember, she met me when I was fucking 30 years old. I'm 47. So I was really early in my career. I'd only been in the fitness business for two years. I was just getting started. I wasn't, I wasn't successful yet in terms of a great income and having my name out there or any of that stuff. I was just in the growth phase. So she met me at a time where it wasn't where she was going, okay, this guy's got some money and uh, he looks like a good prospect. I, 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 didn't, I wasn't making good money at all. And sometimes we'd go out for dinner and I'd go, I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford this. <laughs> you know. That was just a situation. Right. So we both met each other at times where we weren't at our best for lack of going. I'm not going to go into every detail about what that means, but we weren't at our best. Just like most people aren't at their best. You're never really at your best all the time. You, you're all constantly evolving. But, but as we got to know each other more, the attraction grew exponentially. 
Yeah. There's something about growing together, you know, that, that even makes it, that makes it even better. Right. You know, because you've seen yourself like, oh, look at the evolution or whatever, especially when you see someone that's willing to evolve. That right there is attractive. <laughs> there's some people that are stuck in their ways. They don't want to change for shit. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, and that's so, un, that is so unattractive. You know, the, the same old, same old people. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're not growing. They're not doing anything to improve upon themselves. They pretty much, it's almost like you're stuck in a time warp. Like this person is almost the same person you were, you met 10 years ago, 20 years ago. It's like, well, you know, what's funny is I, I, I consider myself very confident now, you know, that's not arrogance. It's just life experience. But then I was, I wasn't really that confident, especially in the context of talking to women that I I often went, I often overdid it to come off confident. And so Mm -hmm. when I, when I asked Carol out, I'm like, Hey, come talk to me while I'm on the machine to getting the treatment done. So when she came over, you know, I'm all, I'm like, hey, what are you doing on Monday or Thursday? Let's go for dinner. I was really loud, right? I was like, <laughs> I was like I was why saying, are you yelling? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's, she's like, shh, shh, inside voice, right? And then, and then I, I always say, never ask someone a yes or no question because if the answer is no, then there's nowhere to go with it. Right. So I said, I said, I want to take you out to dinner this week. What works best for you, Tuesday or Thursday? Something like that, right? Right. And, and, and she, she, obviously she ended up saying yes. But what's funny is later on, she told me that, she found my voice so commanding, you know, like she said, this guy is so commanding and confident and all that. And I told her, I go, I really wasn't confident at all. I wasn't commanding. I it was, it was more just me going into character. You know, I eventually became that person that's confident, but at that time it was more, you know, I'd actually, I had to go into this. I had to become an actor at that point. Well, you pulled that, you pulled that marketing way of asking for something. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you made sure there was never a yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> That was my background. Dan yeah. Kennedy. Dan Kennedy would have been proud of you that moment. <laughs> no, because see, when I was in high school, I had I was very shy and I, I had a very difficult time. I mean, I had female friends, but I had a very difficult time talking to women in terms of asking them out for dates or anything more. Right. Even in college, same thing. Now, I didn't start becoming more confident and uh, willing to express myself until I got into the whole network marketing bullshit because that put me in a lot of vulnerable situations. Yeah. I had to get up in front of a group and pitch these people on this stupid ass opportunity week after week after week. So you learn how to be a good public speaker. You're constantly approaching people that have, that have no interest in what you're offering. You're prospecting, <laughs> you're constantly prospecting. prospecting man. Right? So you're walking up to strangers and making a pitch. Now, the bad news about that is it's very ineffective. The good news about that is that if you get comfortable doing that, you're not going to have any trouble approaching a woman and asking her out on a date because you've dealt with rejection all day long. Been, rejection, yeah, exactly. rejection is part of your profession. <laughs> most, most guys are not deterred, are not deterred by rejection because we always deal with rejection in a lot of jobs I had where it's salespeople guys are getting rejected all day long. No big thing. Some of my female coworkers, they get, they, they would get enough rejections. It would really bother them mm-hmm. because they're not used to that. It's just a reality. Most women have positioning. They have guys trying to talk to them all fucking day long, all day long. That's what women are dealing with. Even a good looking guy, even a really good looking guy who carries himself well, he's dressed nicely. Yeah, sure. He's going to get attention from women, but he's not getting hit on all day long. Right. Unless you're some kind of celebrity. But the average guy who looks good, believe me, you, you might have women that are giving you signs, but it's the onus is still on you to, to go talk to them and have a conversation. Right. But women are used to being positioned. Men are used to having to do prospecting. Right. So, yeah, man. 
<laughs> you guys like that one? Women are used to being positions. Uh, caught, caught that. <laughs> caught that. <laughs> Women are used to women are used to having positioning, and they want to be positioned. There we go. That's what's <laughs> soft on people here. <laughs> so, and guys are still prospecting. <laughs> you know, yeah, guys are prospecting in every facet of their life. They're prospecting in business. They're like like when I had Lauren Brooks on my YouTube show the other day, and I said when she came to me for advice, I told her write a bunch of articles and get a lot of content out there. And she said that was instrumental in her developing a very successful DVD career, information product career, because she said she already had an audience as a result of doing that when she, before she sold her first product. And I go, exactly. That's positioning. Prospecting would be, you come out with the video, you've got no distribution. And then you're just basically asking people, Hey, you want to buy my video? You want to buy my video? You want to buy my video? Right. That's prospecting. It's extremely ineffective. There's a comedian named Scruncho. And he opened up for Mike Epps. We, Carol and I saw him at the Palms, at the Pearl at the Palms a couple of years ago. So anyway, he opened up for Mike Epps. Now, after the show, this guy's running around the casino with a stack of DVDs trying to get people to buy them. And he's just walking up to people like, hey, guys, you like my show? You want to buy a DVD? He was prospecting. Guess how many DVDs he sold? He sold um, one. one. He sold one to me because I felt bad for him. <laughs> you know what? You know what? You, you are officially my wife, dude. That's what she does. <laughs> like we'll go somewhere. Like we'll be at a like we'll go to a concert or something like that. And there'll be a dude out there trying to sell his. Hey man, um, I don't mean to bother you, brother, but uh, you know, if you could just check out my CD, you know, I'm like, okay. First of all, it's 2021. Why do you have a CD? <laughs> it's, like, it's like at least give me a give me a card like with your fucking soundcloud link or something like that I'm like you're still pushing cds i i mean i like old school stuff i can appreciate that but yeah so they'll do that and he's like you know i was just you know if you can just check it out so i'm like okay i'm thinking he's giving it to me free to check out because you know coming from the dj world that was my <laughs> life every fucking time everybody like you can make something in their bedroom was like hey man this is one if you can check it out man you know if you like it man hopefully you know you and your boy you know y'all can play it on the radio show you know or even if not you know just give me some feedback which they really didn't want the feedback especially if it was terrible you know so but so i'm just thinking like okay this dude's giving me okay i'll, I'll check it out he's like yeah so you know man you know it's just ten dollars what is oh the cd <laughs> I haven't even heard this yet. Why would what I pay ten dollars for something I haven't even heard? What are you talking about? And then my wife, she's like, because she, she's always thinking about that entrepreneur and that hustle spirit. You know, she's like, you know what? Here you go. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> she's like, she's like, you know, just the fact he's out here and he put himself out there, and you know, I was like, yeah, but it's after a while, it's no longer a hustle. It's a scam. You know, because what if we put this thing in and it has no music on it? <laughs> it's like. So I'm like, you just give him a donation or something. I'm like, no, don't just give it to him like that. I don't even well, know. Man, this here, here's another example of positioning. Now, how often do I talk to strangers about my testosterone booster? Never. Zero percent. Ever, ever. <laughs> right. I never bring it up. I'm never out there talking about it. I don't even like when people ask me about it when I'm out yeah. of bounds. Like, Look, man, go to my website. I don't want to talk about that shit. <laughs> right. You know is there. Now, at the gym recently, though, that I go to, I've had quite a few organic conversations where people see me filming myself doing something and they ask me like, Hey, what's your deal? You know, are you, are you putting out content? And I go, uh, you know, I post this stuff on Instagram, but I'm, I mainly film it for myself so I can see my technique so I can see what I can improve upon. 
And, and then they start asking me, what am I a strength coach? I'm like, oh, I used to be, I used to be a kettlebell instructor. Now I design nutrition supplements. Oh, really? What kind of nutrition supplements? And I, I tell them, I go, look, let me give you my website. You can go check it out. If you have any questions, just let me know. I've had a few people buy the products just from that. Now that's also positioning. It's not prospecting. I didn't walk right. up to them and interrupt their workout and be like, hey man, I noticed you're doing some heavy incline presses there. I got a great product called Aggressive Strength Testosterone Booster. I think you'd love it. What do you think would have happened in that situation? I'd be like, look, man, I didn't come here to get pitched. I'm right. here to work out. But they're coming to me. That's positioning. Me going to them, that's prospecting. See the difference? It's a huge, huge difference. It's the same difference between a woman looks at me and she makes it known that she's interested. She flings her hair, does whatever the fuck she does. I'm talking about white women because a black woman, you're not going to have to wonder. You know, I've black women do drive-bys. Hey, you in the white shirt, you fine. Hey, baby, you got a girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. Okay, well, that's, why, that's, why, I love, that's <laughs> why black women are my favorite women because you don't have to wonder where they are. I've had, black, I've had more black women come up to me and just be very emphatic about what they think about me more than any other woman, right? White women will just, especially white American women, they'll just little smile, <laughs> like flick their hair then it's up to you to go talk to them but that's still positioning because she's letting right. you know she's if you're not you're totally oblivious and a fucking idiot you're gonna be like okay that girl over there has a big smile on her face looking at me but, <laughs> but on that note there's a lot of fucking idiots out there that don't even catch a hint oh i know that's like, why i'm this that's why i'm bringing this up now <laughs> black women on the other hand you don't have to wait for any of this subtle flirtation because they're going to come over to you and make it known and I like that. <laughs> I say that in a very positive way. That doesn't intimidate me one bit. I like it. I'm like, fuck yeah. You know, we don't have to waste any time with the trivial. I know where you stand. <laughs> You're telling me exactly what you think of me and, and how you want this night to progress. And it's up to me to decide whether right. I'm or not. And I like that. <laughs> man, life's too short to be playing games, man. Just tell, just tell people what you want. Well, look, the first date I had with Carol was at this Indian restaurant in Santa Monica. In fact, it was that Indian restaurant we all went to for the group. That, that, that long-ass bill that I had to decide yeah, for? No, no, no. Math. That was Monsoons. I don't okay. know if we were there for day two. Day two was at this Indian restaurant, and it was less people than the first day. Oh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that, that was where Carol and I had our first date. And on the first date, maybe five minutes into the conversation, she said, you know, you look like you have a really nice body. I want to see you with your shirt off later. And I said, this sounds great to me. You know, <laughs> I was like, now this is what I'm talking so you, about. Right? So you could have messed it up like, come on, you think that's great. Wait, you see me without my pants. See, that could have gone, that could have gone either way. <laughs> now, see, the thing, you know, the problem, you know what fucks up? The, the dudes, dudes don't know when to stop. Just like, yeah, yeah, exactly. you did the right thing. You did the right thing. You're like, okay, I like where this goes. Whereas most guys are like, well, you should see me without my pants. You know like, what I said? I said, thank you, you know, for the compliment. And that sounds go. good. You no, know, wink, wink. I didn't say, you know, there you go. Yeah, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know? <laughs> I said, I want to see you with your shirt off. I didn't say I want to give you a BJ later. <laughs> so you're right. Nothing fucks up guys with women more than talking too much. Just, they just don't know what, a lot of times the woman's interested. She's having a good time with you. And you got to say something stupid. You just you're like, dude, you're already in. You already won. Why stop? She's already, she already bought what you were selling, dude. But no, you got to keep trying to upcharge the shit nickel and diamond. <laughs> or sometimes guys feel like they have to do this passive aggressive insult. It's like, oh, you know, you look pretty good except for your nose. <laughs> like, oh, God, man. She was interested right before you made that. Look, nobody wants to be insulted. And it's not funny when you insult someone, you fucking idiot. 
<laughs> how, do you, how do you how would you think you would feel if she said that about you it's like oh you look really good i bet you got a small dick though <laughs> you know? well the problem is most guys are trying to overcome say well you know i can show you but i can tell you <laughs> <laughs> it's like mike Epps had that joke he's like yeah you know my girl broke up with me she's like you lazy you ain't shit you can't work and he's like yeah 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 no big thing she's like and you got a small dick he's like wait a minute what was that last one <laughs> He's like, what do you say that again? What do you mean? You know? He's like, now I'm all self-conscious. I'm all looking at it in the mirror. Now you're just getting personal. Now, now you, that's when a woman like, really wants to hurt a guy. But that's, okay, now you're just being hurtful now. Like, damn, I thought you were better than that. Yeah, That's when she goes, you know what? I don't give a fuck. I'm not even like, I'm done with you. It's like, someone, and since I'm done with you on my way out, I'm going to hit you with this low blow right here. So, I, so therefore, I'm going to be in your head for the rest of your life. <laughs> you can't sit there and say, like, oh, you got a flat ass. Somebody likes it. Damn. Can never get one of <laughs> She said, well, I may have a flat ass, but too bad you won't be getting it anymore. Well, you know what? Just, just, just go. I'm done with you. <laughs> Oh man, that's hilarious. Yeah, but I mean, it's. I I I think a lot of people have a really difficult time expressing their feelings to really anyone because they're worried about being rejected or diminished or marginalized or, or just uh, feeling like God, that was stupid. I wish I didn't say that. I feel really dumb now. It's kind of like you say, "I love you" to a woman for the first time, and she's like, "Thanks." No, oh. he's like, thank you. Thank you for telling me that. But you're not getting it back. You're like, oh, God, I feel like a fucking idiot right now. Right. <laughs> but you still had the courage to put it out there. So yeah, you shouldn't feel exactly. too bad about it. Well, somebody, now she knows. And, you know, she can do what she can do what she wants with that information. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, people, regrets. There's one for you. What's the... um? What's the next regret that we'll be talking about next time? Well, I think I think a big regret that's not in the book is people not putting enough importance on having a clean ass. I mean, <laughs> that's going to be a big regret. You're going to be like, you know what? I shouldn't have gone through life with an unclean ass as often as I did. Things may have worked out better for me professionally and personally <laughs> if I made it a paramount focus to have a clean ass at all times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, how comfortable can you be in a situation where you're sitting there and you're having a conversation and you just notice the person just keeps kind of switching in the seat <laughs> side to side. You're not slick. I know you're scratching your ass with the seat, man, because your ass is dirty. Okay, <laughs> Because you don't use baby wipes. How do I know? I just use the restroom and you don't have a baby wipe. So I understand why you're sitting there rotating in the seat like that side to side. One or two things are happening. Either your ass is dirty or you're trying to sneak out a fart. Okay, my, so, my attitude is baby wipes aren't enough shower time okay exactly. <laughs> you need to clean that thing out with full force all right <laughs> you need to have a high pressured shower with some soap i like to use that dr broner soap is it yeah dr broner's yeah you got that minty feel you know that mint, it's about your ass is all crisp and clean it's sparkly on you got a minty fresh ass like having fresh breath in your ass your ass is like a like a package of wrigley's right now just <laughs> Your ass is so clean that someone could eat vegan whipped ice cream or, or <laughs> whipped <laughs> non-dairy. Hey, is, this, mm, is, this, is this chocolate mint? No, it's just my ass. Just my you could be one of those models at a sushi restaurant where they're eating it off the naked body. Oh, man. <laughs> I always do. I always, when I would see that, I was like, man, 
this is all wrong. I mean, yeah, it's so wrong. <laughs> this is all wrong. Like, wrong. Out of all the foods you could have decided to put on a naked person, this is what you, you choose? Got, you got the, also, you got this naked person on the table right there. It's got to sit there naked. Is, while, like, I'm like, where's the health department? Why is the health inspector not here right now? Like, you have to sit there and say nothing while people are having this conversation. People are eating off your body. Eating sushi off her body. And they, these people all have sticks in their hands. Like, how safe do you feel up there? <laughs> splinters, people. We're talking splinters, okay? Yeah, no one's allowed to use a fork, right? You better use chopsticks. Oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that one uncultured-ass person, they're like, I can't use chopsticks. Can I use a fork? Hell, that's when the model comes alive. Hell no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't pay me enough for that shit. He jumps off the table and goes running into the night, man. Like, <laughs> with a with a with a spicy tuna roll between our ass cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> but if she eats that Dr. Browner, so <laughs> then it's okay. She won't notice the spice. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> But you know what? It's 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 those moments of very pronounced intimacy that you really feel alive. You know, when you can connect with someone in a very intimate way, that's something special, man. It is obviously the most special in the context of a your most intimate relationship, your significant other. But when you when you have friends where you don't have to talk about the weather and you don't have to talk about sports, you can get into some real shit. You can have a real conversation. That's a form of intimacy as well. And it's an important one. And a lot of guys don't have that. A lot of people don't have any real friends. I mean, there was a, a, a stat that was done recently where in the 1980s, they asked people, how many close friends do you have? And the average response was three. And someone asked that same question in 2015, and the average response was zero. Yeah. Now, that's, that's horrible. But, but you look at their social media, they have 10,000 friends. Right. But even they know those aren't real friends. No, those were well, sad. Some people don't know that. <laughs> they walk around like, yeah, one of my but Facebook friends. Take, I'm like, take okay. A off, take a month off any social media platform you're and on. See who checks in on you. Yeah. Guess how many people are going to check in. <laughs> now, I wasn't even trying to do that a couple months ago. I just like took a break and I had other stuff going on out here in the carbon based world. And for about two weeks, I wasn't on Instagram. Well, it was very revealing who my friends were <laughs> you know i didn't think twice about it They're like hey man you good and i'm like and i'm thinking like oh shit what happened i'm like yeah <laughs> they're like oh you haven't posted in a while man you know i'm just checking in i'm like oh shit okay <laughs> so that, that was interesting even though i wasn't even trying to do that and it was quite a few people like yeah man i i, I told so-and-so you know i asked them if they heard from you because i hadn't seen you on ig in a minute you know well the personal message because i really don't do any post like on my page you know i'll post my stories or whatever but like i got people that you know i connect with like on dm or whatever so like i said they're like we'll share jokes or whatever like you and i do all the damn time oh yeah (laughs) but they realize like okay it's been like two weeks and you know i'm sending him messages and there's no reply he's not even opening them up and seeing them you know that's that's not normal it's not a normal pattern so if people actually you know somewhat of, of friends with you or whatever they'll notice patterns Sure. And they'll check in. Like I've had a couple of my friends, like I, you know, same thing. I'll check in and say, Hey, you go, or even if they post certain things, you know, I got a few friends that are vets or whatever. And I can tell, well, one of my friends is not having a good day. I can always tell, you know? So, you know, I just hit him a private message. Like, hey, you good? And like, nah, not today. I say, Hey, well, Hey, you want to vent? 
or you want to get some shit off your chest or whatever, man, I'm here. I'm here. Can't say I exactly know what you've gone through or whatever, but as a human being, you know what I'm saying? You just know that you're not by yourself. You're not by yourself. It may feel that's, like it, but you're that's not. That's important. People need to know that. People, I, I think what you said is you hit the nail on the head. People want to be seen. Now, they want to be recognized. I mean, I know a lady who was having some trouble in her marriage, and I could see the sadness in her eyes. And what she was sad about was the fact that she's not being acknowledged. She's not yeah. being noticed. She's not being complimented. She's not be, she's, she doesn't feel that she matters in the context right. of her relationship. And that's what made her most sad. So now she has to act out in ways that are not that productive. Maybe you post revealing pics on Instagram. So if someone says, oh, you're beautiful or, oh, you're so hot or now you're doing things to get attention from strangers because right. you're not getting it from the person you want to get it from the most. You don't want attention from strangers. You want it from the people that matter to you, but you're not getting it from there. And maybe you feel uncomfortable asking for it. So now you're going, well, look, you know, attention from other guys is better than nothing. So let me just focus on that. And that's easy. It's easy to post a picture of yourself and a hundred people are like, oh, you're so fucking hot. Oh, you're so good. Oh, I'd like to do this to you. You know, that's simple. That's easy. Sometimes it's difficult to have those honest conversations with your most significant other. It shouldn't be, but that doesn't mean that it's not common. It's very common. It's very common, especially when it's gone on for a long time. And it, there are so many things that are not being said. You, you don't feel that you can even bring it up. Right. Yeah. Eventually, like you're saying, you're going to, you're getting compliments from the wrong people. These people don't even really matter. No, and, eventually, and, and eventually it'll get old. You'll be like, eh. It'll feel like it's almost as if no one said anything in the first place because these people are really irrelevant to you. You don't even know them. They don't know you. So you eventually get over it. It's like, ugh. Look, when I, look, it's not like I get compliments like a machine gun all day long from women. But I, when I get compliments now from women that are like, hey, you know, you're really impressive or I saw you on Rich Roll Show and I, you got, you're the whole package, this, that. I'm not going to say that it doesn't make me feel good when it happens. But at the same time, I also realize that these women don't know me. Nope. They don't know me the way Carol knows me. They're right. even, not even close. Man. So they don't, what they're seeing is me. A highlight reel. Yeah, highlight reel. I'm on Rich Roll's podcast at my best because I'm on a fucking public platform. So I want to come off as my best. So they're seeing me at my best. They're not seeing me where I'm bipolar and they're dealing with my mood swings all the time. They're not seeing me where it's, I'm difficult to talk to because I've got some internal battle going on, right. but they're not seeing me at my worst. They're not seeing me, seeing me dealing with serious insecurities because I'm trying to make something work. And I don't know if I can, I, they're not seeing me with lack of confidence because it's early in my career. And I don't know if I can pull this off. They're not seeing any of that. And that, that's why Dana White said, he goes, look, the woman that you're with on the way up, that's the woman you want to stay with. Yep. You want to trade her in for the woman who likes you when you're at your best, because that woman wouldn't be there for you when you were at your worst. She waited for you to get to your best. Then she's like, hey, I'm interested now. Right. But would she be there when you were early in your career and there was a high probability that maybe you weren't going to achieve anything? You don't know. Right. It's always funny when people become successful, all of a sudden they kick the, the person that was with them when they were broke to the curb for the, or they cheat. You know, with these superficial people who are just all about, oh, you know, my God, yeah, you've got this, you got a nice car, yada, yada, yada. In their minds, they may not feel like they're going to be with, you know, stay with this person. It's like a quickie or whatever. And then, you know, I'm going to go back home to my, you know, my secure one or whatever. But then they get busted and they're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did. Yes, you can. Like, you're an idiot. (laughs) You you knew what you were doing. Don't, don't, don't do it. Just realize you were being a dick at the time and you realize like, hey, and then those are the main ones that come back 
time and time again, once the breakup happens, I was so wrong. Like you were the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know that old adage, you don't know what you got. Yeah. Till it's done. Yeah. What's the, what's that Beyonce song? Ring the alarm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lost me. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's not a good example. <laughs> that's my, I'm, I'm, I'm probably the, the mighty few black people. That's not a Beyonce fan. I'm not a fan of hers either, but Carol, no, like, I can't. So my anything after Destiny Shaw or after fucking put a ring on it, I'm just like, yeah, that's it. I don't know nothing else. Well, I think Ring the Alarm was before that. Put a ring on it. Oh, okay, it was on the same record. Yeah, because I, I I just remember when that song came out because it was really it was really heavy for Beyonce. It was really angry. And it's about a woman that is with a guy and then she ditches her once he becomes successful. And she's like, oh. fuck that. You know, that's the premise of the song. So it's. <laughs> which is not far from the reality that came after that song came out many years later. <laughs> to my meanwhile, Solange is kicking Jay-Z's ass in an elevator. <laughs> Carol, Carol and I were listening to that Jay-Z, that Jay-Z song, Jay-Z song, 99 Problems. Yes. He's like, 99 Problems, but a bitch ain't one. And Carol's like, oh, you wait, Jay-Z. <laughs> it's going to be a problem. <laughs> it's coming. She's like, it's coming, Jay-Z. <laughs> like I said, next thing you know, your sister-in-law's beating your ass in an elevator. That was a problem, Jay-Z. <laughs> <laughs> but see you know the problem with men too is that you could have the best woman in the world at home she checks every box but men are not used to getting attention from women the way that women get attention from men so someone new comes along and she's exciting and she's looking at you with desire and lust and she thinks you're the greatest guy ever you're getting compliments all day long most guys if they're honest they're gonna find that appealing now, I'm not saying that they're going to just cheat on their wife or they're going to be like, fuck, yeah, I'm going for it. But they're going to find it appealing, whether they want to admit it or not. So don't deny that. Don't even don't sit there and kid yourself and think that you don't like that. You know, you do you do like it. But then you got to put it in the right context. You got to realize, OK, this person is seeing me now at the peak of my right. success. Would this person feel the same way 10 years ago? Would this person even notice me 10, 15 years ago? Exactly. <laughs> yes, I'm like, okay. Are you willing to deal with my shit? And I do mean my shit. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give you one more story, man. I mean, I, I spoke at this fitness business summit back in 2008. After I left the RKC, I was making major moves. And any opportunity I had to, to speak in front of an audience, I took. So Bedros invited me to be a last-minute speaker at his first fitness business summit ever, which was in... Uh, somewhere in Northern Cal, I want to say Bay Area in 2008. So anyway, I was the last speaker on the last day, the worst possible time to speak because three days people are fed up. They're like, I don't even know if I should stick around for this guy. I have no idea who he is. Now, during these three days, people in the audience don't know that I'm a speaker because I'm not on any of the promotional material because I'm a last minute speaker. So at the all the networking events, all these people are trying to talk to all the speakers. They're not trying to talk to me, though, because they don't acknowledge me as a speaker. The only people who try to talk to me are people that recognize me as a kettlebell guy. So they came up. Right. So anyway, I told Carol, I go, what? Before I spoke, I go, watch this. I'm going to go up there and fucking destroy. I'm going to destroy. I'm going to I'm going to crush every other speaker that came on before me. I'm going to bring so much fire that people are going to notice. They're going to remember me before I'm done. You watch. And I walk up there and I did that. And Carol said that when I first started talking, people are looking at their laptops. This is pre-smartphone. So people are just looking at their laptops or kind of dicking around. But once they heard my intensity and my ferocity, all of a sudden people started shutting their laptops. People started laughing, getting into it. 
at the very end, it was standing ovation. Other speakers are coming up to me, trying to congratulating me. Women that didn't give me the time of day are now lining up to get photos with me, telling me how great I am. And none of that went to my head because I, I, I told Carol what would happen. And I realized, you know what? People are all full of shit. Right. Nobody about, about an hour ago, I was no one. You guys didn't give a fuck who I was. I come up here and I fucking crush. I destroy. I know I destroyed. I know I did a good job. And now all of a sudden, everybody think wants to be around me. They want to get their photo with me. They want to trade <clears throat> business cards and network with me and tell me how great I am. Hey, I was great before I came up here and said all this. Right. <laughs> it just shows you how shallow people are, though. So what I'm saying is that men should not be impressed with the women who come after you when you're at your best doing something. You should be impressed with the woman who is attracted to you maybe when she sees potential in you, but you haven't realized any of it yet. And one more thing, men, realize that potential should not be forever. <laughs> women get tired of that <laughs> shit too. That's true. Some of you motherfuckers have potential for your entire life. He <laughs> has potential. Oh my God, he has so much potential. He poten- Eventually you got to make that a realization. Okay? All right. <laughs> shit. No, but I, th- I think what, what Carol liked about me even earlier in her relationship is I was a cool guy. I was, I've always been a very respectful guy to whoever I'm in a relationship with. I've never been this guy who's just a callous asshole. I've always been a cool guy. And she didn't deal with a lot of cool guys the 12 years she lived in Los Angeles. So that made me stick out. And that, that's also a reason why a woman is going to want to stick around with you because she knows you're a good, kind-hearted person. Like, this is a good guy. Yeah. He's not successful yet but he's ambitious. So there's right. a good chance he will be. But in the meantime, he's a nice guy to be around. He treats me well and he has a good heart. You know, those are all important things. Even if you don't go on to be super successful, those are still desirable qualities. Now, no man, no woman wants a man who has no ambition. No man wants, forget about whether you become successful or not. If you're striving to become successful, that's a desirable quality. But like you said, sincere, it's if 10 years down the road, all you have is still ambition, but you have nothing to show for it. That's also a problem. And it's not a problem with just your significant other. It's a problem, period. It's a problem, problem with you. Know. It's like, you don't know when to fold them. Like, Hey man, you need to listen to Kenny Rogers every now and then. You know? yeah, like, when I first got into the fitness business, I had a plan. I go, look, by year five, this is where I expect to be. And I wasn't quite there, but I wasn't far from it. But I had an idea of where I wanted to go. And then I went on to surpass all of that in the years that I, but I I actually had a a destination I was trying to get into. I wasn't like, well, you know, let me just roll the dice and see what happens. I was like, no, I'm here to fucking play. I'm in the arena. I'm here to be taken seriously. I'm here right now. I'm going to, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it known that I'm here. You're going to know whether you like me or not, that I'm in this game and I'm going to play it seriously. I'm playing for keeps. The irony is you talking about the arena. I'm up here looking at a picture of Teddy Roosevelt right now. <laughs> so for those that don't know, you check out, you know, the man in the arena by Teddy Roosevelt. That speech. I, I just think of Spartacus, Spartacus talk. You know, I, I like to talk in terms of Spartacus. Wow. <laughs> I was like, damn girl, you move with strong purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Are you Mike Mahler? I stand the man himself. <laughs> oh, shit. It's like, you got something to say? It's like, well, it's like, well, you know, if you don't do this, I'm going to say this. We'll see lips parted and see it revealed or whatever the fuck you said. <laughs> we'll part lips and see it done. <laughs> there was that first season of Spartacus where all those quotes, where, man. 
No, the first season of Spartacus with Andy Whitfield of Spartacus, where Doc Torrey learns about Spartacus had this, this, he was going to try to, I mean, the show is old, so I'm going to do some spoilers here. The show came out in it's 2000. No spo- it's like 10 years later. It's no I know. Spoilers. If you haven't seen the show, too fucking bad, all right? You, you should have seen it by now. So there's, there's, a, there's an episode where Spartacus wants to escape from being in prison with his wife. Now, his wife right. ends up dying later, so that plan never happens. But this guy, Doc Torrey, learns about the plan. So he's like, you know, I could, I could reveal what you did at any point. And then Spartacus is like, well, fucking part lips and see it be done. And he throws both swords out to the side. So I was like, I love that scene. He's like, fucking do it, motherfucker. <laughs> I ahead. dare you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck, man. Go ahead. Do it. You know, that's basically what he's saying. And I like that. I like that scene. There was a lot of scenes like that throughout the series of that show. That's one of the reasons why I like that show so much. Yeah, man. <laughs> That was the equivalent of a Samuel Jackson. Say it again, motherfucker. I dare you. <laughs> I, I like Samuel Jackson in the very beginning of Menace to Society. He's like, you owe me some money, motherfucker. motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Man, his his part in that movie was so short, but it was very effective. <laughs> Very effective. Guy, the one guy that was talking all that shit to him, he's like, look, man, I'll pay your monkey <laughs> ass back when I feel like it. Like, you think you're a Ooh, motherfucking yeah. Ron O'Neill? Yeah. <laughs> ain't your bitch. He's like, you better suck my dick and then just say Jack in the head. I think that was the, that, was the, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. He yeah. let him get away with a lot of shit, but when he got to that last one, yeah. that, 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 I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, he's like, you're not going to talk to me like that, especially in front of all front these of my, other- <laughs> Especially in front of my child. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that is, yeah, you owe me some money, motherfucker. The guy's like, here, man, just take it. You know? <laughs> it brings everything back full circle with men. You know, again, that respect is more important to most men than anything else. <laughs> you know, so even that right there. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you have to make it known that there are certain lines that you're not going to tolerate being crossed. Right. And I've been in situations where someone feels like they can talk at me in a certain way and I'll tolerate it up to a point. But once I feel like that line's been crossed, I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. And they're going to know in a very physical demonstration from me that that is not the way I'm going to play this game. Because you know, the thing I, is, well, you give somebody, a person like that, you give them an inch, they're going to try to take a foot. They're going to like, let me well, just see I, how far I, I can take this. That I had a check. There's this guy who's the court jester, and he's not a bad guy, but he likes to he likes to make jokes at other people's expenses way too much. Was this the guy at your house? That you- yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, this guy, this guy, I'm still friendly with this guy, and I noticed that he still makes jokes at other people's expenses. But when I'm around, he doesn't say shit. He doesn't make any any joke whatsoever at my expense. So one time I just had enough. So he said something and I was like, you know what? I just had enough. So I went over to him and I just grabbed him by the neck and I squeezed it. And I was like, shut the fuck up. I was like, don't come into my house and disrespect me, motherfucker. And I squeezed his neck enough that he knew that I, I meant business. And I felt his body go limp. You know, he was in a fear-based state. Right. Guy probably shit himself. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> But he was very quiet after that. Now, everyone else in the room looked at me like I'm a fucking psycho. And they're like, oh, you know, you shouldn't lose your temper like that. I was like, no, no. I was like, you guys don't know my background. I'm not a, I'm a cool guy, but I'm not a man to be fucked with. And there's only so much I'm going to take. So you come at me in a way that I think is disrespectful, especially in my house. Okay, I'm going to I'm make it known. <laughs> I'm going to show it to you in a very physical demonstration. So not only did I show it to him, I showed it to everyone else that was around. You know what? Mike's a little bit of a psycho, so don't fuck with them. And that's good. You know, I want you to think I'm a little bit of a psycho. You, you think I'm a little bit dangerous? Good. Right. Good. That, that, that's, that, that's what I want you to think. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but you damn, you can't come in my house doing that. No, nah, you're not going to disrespect me in my house. Yeah. And then they like to, oh, you know, you can't take a joke. I'm just joking around. It's like, no, 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 man. You know what you're doing. 
you know what you're doing. You know you're fucking with me a little bit too much and I don't like it. You can see it in my posturing that it's irritating me. It's like, look, sometimes I've joked around with other people and I can tell that it's irritating them. And I stop. I stop immediately. I'm like, yeah. first of all, I don't do that at all anymore because after this guy, I was like, you know what? I don't want anyone to ever say I'm annoying. So I never do that anymore. But in the past, sometimes I would fuck with people a little bit too that are my friends. And then I, would, I could see in their posture that they didn't care for it. And I didn't have to wait for it to escalate. I would be like, you know what? I'm sorry, man. No, I'm not trying to be a dick. And I stop and that's it. And they're like, okay, cool. You know, I appreciate that. So if anyone is actually cognizant of what's going on, you, you can, you can see it before someone really loses their shit that they're not happy. <laughs> it's, it's, you could either shut the fuck up or you can be prepared for a physical confrontation because that that's the direction it's headed. Oh yeah. So yeah, there's a, there's a, there's probably regret for some people. I, I regret that I didn't put that person in their place when they disrespected <laughs> me. And now everybody disrespects me, <laughs> you know? Well, that's the other thing too, especially as a young person, like once someone punks you publicly and you take it, now everyone else thinks you're a fair game. So right. now, now you're not going to, now you're going to be, you're going to continue to be disrespected. And it's not about defending your ego or any of that. It's about having self-worth. You're not going to let people come at you with hostility. And it's a sign of self-preservation as well, because once the, you know, one thing about the wild animals, once they feel, they smell the prey, they're going to attack, you know? So you got to kind of draw that line. Like, Hey, look, I don't, I don't fuck with you. You don't fuck with me. We're both good. Okay. And that, that's, that's the best message you can send out there. Look, I mean, I, I had this, I had this fucking annoying guy at the blackjack table the last time I played, but I haven't played in a long time. And he was hitting on a girl next to me. That was annoying, but I was waiting for him to check him. And she never did. I was like, why? I even turned to her and said, why don't you just tell this guy you're not interested? Why are you, why are you fucking letting this guy just keep talking? He's annoying as fuck. He's annoying everyone here. And then, uh, and then he started annoying me. He started started looking at my moves going oh man you should have done this you should have done that and i'm like look man no. shut the fuck i was like don't ever tell me how to play this game he's like well i'm not you know he's like i'm not an expert or anything i was like i know you're not an expert i can tell by the way you're playing you're not but i am so shut the fuck up don't ever tell me how to play this game and he got really quiet of course after i said that and then he eventually left because he felt uncomfortable but you know that's an example of what i'm talking about is there's you know, there's, there's only so much shit I'm going to take. And sometimes because you're a big imposing guy, people feel like, oh, I'm going to fuck with this guy because it makes me feel powerful, which is really stupid. You know, if Brock Lesnar is sitting next to me, I'm not going to fuck with him at all. I'm going to be very polite. Right. Like, I'm, First of all, I'm going to be polite to everybody because that's just who I am. But I'm especially not going to fuck with the guy who looks like that. <laughs> okay. You know, I'm not going to fuck with anybody because I'm not an annoying person. But so, so sometimes people feel like, oh yeah, you know, this, sometimes people look at you and you're, you, you're, you're physically built and they, they like to think that you're not intelligent as a result of that. Like, oh, this guy just spends four hours in the gym every day. So when you're someone who's actually physically strong and you're physically imposing and you're highly intelligent, that makes a lot of other men feel really insecure because they're not any of those things. They're not smart and they're not strong and they know it. So all they can do is fuck with someone who does have those things to try to make themselves feel better. But what you what they have to realize is there's potential consequences of that, and they're not good ones. Yep. <laughs> so what does that go. have to do with having? To, what does that have to do with anything that we've discussed? Really, nothing. But <laughs> it just came out. Good place like, to end, right? But to nothing, but a lot of everything. If you really put it in perspective, <laughs> when you think about all this. So just remember, like, folks, when it's, all, when it's all said and done, it comes down to bleached assholes. Okay? <laughs> and, a, and a clean ass. <laughs> <laughs>
when it's all said and done, look, the only reason these guys are annoying is because they don't have a clean ass. If they just <laughs> clean their ass, they'd be less annoying. That's why they're a pain in the ass, because they're usually experiencing a pain in the ass, because their ass is not clean. Okay, so, and they have deep regrets about that, and they take it out on others. So, and they don't want to tell you that they have a dirty ass because they can't get in touch with their feelings. So, and that's the reason why we, that's why we talked about this. This is why we spent the last hour discussing this about those regrets, about not, you know, expressing the feelings, you know, and being vulnerable, you know, having a dirty ass makes you very vulnerable. Okay. I mean, it makes you vulnerable with the sitting down and relaxing because you can't, because, you know, you can't sit down on certain type of seats because it's fabric and the scent will still be in there and people know it's you. If you have a jacuzzi in your backyard like I do, you don't feel good getting into it because it doesn't matter how much chlorine is in there. <laughs> oh, shit. No, literally. literally. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> oh, man. And on that note, obviously, it's time for us to go. We're hungry and we're getting delirious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, folks. So, we got another couple of rounds of regrets coming up in this regret series so you know one thing you don't want to regret is missing it so make sure that you you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already i mean jesus it's only been like almost seven years but so yeah get those subscriptions in subscribe share like leave a review all that good stuff and make sure you come back for our next episode when we keep we continue down this road of regret but we don't regret a damn thing (laughs) so All right, folks, we'll catch you in the next episode. Take care, everybody. Take everyone. That wraps up this week's Live Life Progressively show. Be sure to head over to MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Use the coupon code LLA12 and receive 12% off of your total purchase at either of those websites. Also, for more personal protection tips, make sure you head over to NewWarriorDefense.com. Support the production of the Live Life Progressive show by heading over to Patreon.com and becoming a patron. Simply go to Patreon.com slash LLA podcast. All Patreon subscribers receive Patreon-only access to our brand new show, Afterlife, which is a brand new behind-the-scenes episode that is not available to the public. Our Patreon subscribers also get to enjoy bigger discounts on all of our products by receiving Patreon-only discount codes beginning at 15% off on all products on MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Lastly, be sure to share the episode by following us on social media, on Facebook, as well as our new account on Instagram. Until the next episode, take care, everybody.